We are in the second week uh, of this series, Strong in the Lord, where we're looking at these nine verses, as I said earlier, in the book of Ephesians. And uh, we were reminded last week that uh, this struggle, as I said many times in our prayer earlier, is not against flesh and blood. And so I want to be reminded once again of what was just read, because I say it, and we read it, and we'll hear it for the next six weeks, and yet probably a week after that, or the day after that, we'll forget it. And so we need to keep reminding ourselves that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but there is this spiritual warfare going on, and it's waging all around us. And, you know, as I said earlier, it's just look around us today, and it's everywhere. And it, it will not go away until Jesus comes again. And so until that time, he gives us his word. He gives us weapons to struggle with in this, in this war. And he's given us these pieces of armor, as we discussed last week, on how that we fight these lies and schemes of, of Satan. And one of the ways that he does that this week that we'll see is with this sword of the Spirit, as Paul calls it, this sword of the Spirit that he gives us. It's our only offense, truly offensive weapon in this arsenal of weaponry. And he gives it to us for a purpose, and he gives it to a, for us for a purpose to use against this enemy. But the great thing about this is that it's more than just a sword, right? It's called the Word of God. And we use it also to bring life to the people around us. And as we read this text today, we're in verse 17. It really, there's this, this preface to that which starts in 14. It says, stand firm then with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Would you pray with me as, as we begin? Father in heaven, we do gather in the name of Jesus, the powerful, beautiful name of Jesus. And this morning, I cry out to you and ask you that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts together would truly be pleasing in your sight. Jesus, let my words be your words. Teach us all this morning. Shape us all this morning by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when my, my children are all older and out of the house and, you know, they have their own things and their own lives. And, but when they lived at home and, and they got to the age where they could get like their learner's permit, you know, it was a big time where they could start driving, you know. And, and so they started driving in our house as scary as that is. And so we would always remind them of things, right? Because when they drove, they drove our car, Right. And I would remind them of that. This, this is a car that I'm letting you use, right? But I want you to remember, it's not your car, right? It's my car. And being that it's my car, I would appreciate it if you treated it like it was my car and not your car. When you're old enough to buy your own car, you can treat it however you like. I would encourage you to treat it like I treat my cars, but that's really up to you. But as long as you're driving my car, I want you to take care of it. I want you to drive it like I would drive it, right? I, I want you to have care and concern as though it were mine, right? And we, we would tell them that. Take care of it like it's ours, which probably accounts for the reason that my girls still today have such a messy car. But, but I, I, I digress. But, um, but yeah, so we would tell them, you know, it's because th this is a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege, and you have to earn that privilege because you need to treat this vehicle with respect and with humility because while it's a tool and when used correctly, 
is it's, it's a fabulous thing because it can bring pleasure. It can actually transport you places faster than walking. It can really do really good things. It can allow your teenagers to drive their younger siblings to school. I mean, it really is a helpful thing. But when used inappropriately, right, you can do harm to yourself and you can do harm to others. And so I need you to treat this with respect. And we didn't just like hand them the keys and say, here you go. No, we spent hours and hours and hours, you know, because there's this thing called driver's ed that they had to take. And uh, beyond that, the hundreds of hours that we would spend in the passenger seat while they drove, right? You think I got this gray hair by being a pastor. No, I got this gray hair from by riding in the car with my wife. I mean, my kids. And so like, so, so, so what's my point, right? So what's my point? Like, yeah, right. What's my point? Well, my point is, is that just like the car is not my kid's car, it's my car. The sword of the Spirit is the sword of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's sword. It's not our sword. Right? It's the Word of God. It's God's Word. It's not our Word. It's God's Word, and He gives it to us to use for our good. Right? But He calls us to treat it not like it's ours, but to remember that it's His. And he's given it to us for our good. And he, he desires that we use it as he desires us to use it, not as we would pick it up and use it, not how we would like to have fun with it, but as he directs because it's his sword. It's his word. And, and who better to teach us that it's his word than him? Right? Who better to show us how to wield this sword effectively than God himself. He is the master sword teacher, right? He's the master at sword play. And we should listen to him. We should follow him. And that's what Jesus said. When Jesus left his disciples, we're told in John, he says to his disciples, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the sword master, he's going to come from the Father in my name and he'll teach you all things how to use this sword, when to use it, whom to use it on, and how to use it. And he will remind you of everything that I've told you. Now, need we be reminded that all Scripture is God-breathed. John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word is God's Word. All of it is God's Word. And the Spirit, he gives us to remind us of all of this Word to be useful in our hands, to use it as a weapon, but also to use it not only as a weapon against the evil powers, but as a tool to bring life into the world around you. And see, Paul uses this idea of a metaphor, which brings me to the second point, which is kind of an obvious point again, but it's not a literal sword. Right? I know that sounds obvious, but we need to be reminded of that. It's not a literal sword. I mean, he's using metaphor, and sometimes when we think of metaphor, we think it's describing something that's not real. But that's not the case. He's using metaphor to describe something very real. It's a weapon. This word can be used as a weapon. It is just like a sword. In fact, we read in the writer in Hebrews, it says, the writer says, for the word of God is alive and it's active. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's sharper and more powerful than any man-made weapon. He says, because it can penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
I mean, what man-made device can, 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 can lay open your motives? Truly get at your motives. Nothing. We hide them. And we're good at that. But the Word of God exposes them and lays your heart bare. Because why? Because it's active and alive. Remember, the Word is God. The Word is as alive as God is because it's His Word. You can't separate the two. And so it's active and, and it's alive and it's working in our lives and it's working in the world. And Jesus says, or that Hebrew says that it penetrates even dividing soul and spirit. Do you get that picture there, what he's saying? He's saying that it divides the soul and spirit. See, until Jesus came and we were given faith, until he conquered sin, death, and the devil, we were slaves to our flesh. We were slaves to our carnal desires. But now he comes and slices the spirit away from that flesh, and we're no longer slaves to our sin. We're no longer slaves to our flesh. Right? We, we have a new spirit. We have a new master. His name is Jesus. And, and we're no longer there. And there's no human device that can, can make that possible. Without Jesus, we will follow our father here on earth. And that is Satan. But without, with the sword of the spirit, we've been separated. We've been freed from that master. And we follow a new master. And that's Jesus. And he's active and he's alive. This might be a metaphor that Paul uses, but it's a powerful weapon be used for good. But like any good thing in the hands of a human being, it can also be used for evil. That's why the writer of Proverbs says this. It says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. History is replete with men and women taking this word and twisting it, taking excerpts of it and using it like a literal sword to eviscerate our neighbor, whole people groups, nations. In the name of Jesus. We need to look but at history to understand that's possible. We only need to look in our own hearts and understand that that's possible. And so we need to understand that we need, we need training. We need to spend time in this word because it's this word that's the weapon against this true enemy that's in our midst. He's the one that we battle against. He's the one that's in our hearts and in our lives, that, that, that he's the one that's whispering into our hearts. And so we need to know this word because this word is a weapon. In fact, it's the weapon that Jesus used. Matthew chapter 4, we see Satan tempting Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is baptized. He goes into the desert for 40 days, and he doesn't eat anything or drink anything for 40 days. And when he's at his weakest, who shows up? Satan shows up. He says to tempt Jesus. And what's the first thing he tempts him with? Food. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And he says to Jesus, he says, well, if you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. To which Jesus turns around and he says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3. So then Satan doesn't stop. He turns to Jesus and he takes him up to the highest part of the temple. And he says, you know what? If you are the son of God, then throw yourself down from this temple because the word says, God's word says, that he will command his angels regarding you and they will lift you up so you won't even bruise your heel. 
To which Jesus turns to Satan and he says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6, 16. But Satan doesn't stop. He turns to Jesus and he says, okay, takes him up on a high place and shows him the world and says, if you will bow down and worship me, all of this I will give you. I mean, how crazy is that, right? I mean, Jesus created all of this, and yet he's going to give him what's already his? But that doesn't stop Satan. And so Jesus turns to him and says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And we're told at that point Satan left him. We see in this example from Jesus that using the word against the evil one, against Satan, it's a powerful weapon. He has no response but to try a different tactic. Right? But Jesus is prepared. He's truly the sword master. And so we, as students, we need to follow in his footsteps. Because there's nothing better that Satan wants than for us to know a little bit of this. Right? To know a little bit of this to be dangerous. It's like throwing a four-year-old a Ferrari, keys to a Ferrari, and say, here, go. Right? We really need to spend time training. We need to spend time learning how to use this sword properly against the schemes of the devil, but also as a tool to bring life to the people around us, because it's both. And so what do I mean by training? Well, the first thing I mean by training is this, is that we need to spend time in this word. If the Spirit is going to remind us of everything that Jesus said, we need to get everything that Jesus has said into us so that he can get it out of us. All of it. We need to spend time on our own in this word, understanding how to use this, when and how, and the Spirit directing us. And we not need to just do that alone, but we need to do that with others. Right? Because we all have blind spots, and you're blind to those spots. So you need other people to help you see what you're blind to. And Satan comes at you from all different ways, in all different shapes and forms. Sometimes from people within your own home. And we need others around us, which is why we believe in small groups. I see small group leaders here this morning. They have room. Every group in our church has room for people right now. You know why? Because we're meeting virtually and that room is huge. I would encourage you to get into a small group. If you're not in a small group right now, you're, you're at risk. You really are at risk. Get into a small group. The other thing I would say is pray. Training is praying. And going to Jesus and, and going to God the Father with the power of the Spirit. And it says the Spirit prays for us in ways we don't even know. He knows what we need. He knows what we need to, to wield this. And so why not go to him and ask him to help us? He's promised to help us in these regards. But not just by ourselves. Let's pray together. I could use your prayers. I could use your prayers to, to pray for me. If I've got something going on in my week, man, I, I would covet your prayers. And, and that's every week. We pray together. We have this opportunity to pray for one another. But if all we do is ever study and pray, then I think Satan would be happy with that. Because if you notice something, when Satan was tempting Jesus, did you notice did you notice that? What does he do? He quotes scripture. <laughs> right? He uses scripture, God's own word against God. Do you think he wouldn't do that to you? Of course he would. 
He's been doing that from the beginning, taking God's word and twisting it and using it against God's people because they don't know this word. Well, I take that back. A lot of people know this word just like, just like Satan does. And a lot of people a lot better than some Christians. But see, here's the difference. They don't believe in this word. They don't do what this word says. What marks a Christian different than the people that just know this Bible and just study this Bible is they actually put it into practice. Jesus says, you'd be a fool to hear this and not put it into practice. You'd be wise if you did. So if we're going to truly train and know how to use this sword, we have to actually put his words into practice. So that next level training is actually putting it into practice, actually being generous like our God is generous. Our God left nothing back. He gave everything. His own son he sent into the world to die for us, to pay for our life. He held back nothing. We serve the most generous God, and as, as his people, we live generous lives. We give from the blessings that God has given us for the work of his ministry and to those that need it. We live as generous people. We also live as servants, right? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he gave his disciples this picture of serving others, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Whoa, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Our picture of that is Jesus. And if we live otherwise, then we're just following after Satan's devices. And we need to speak this word. We need to share this gospel with the world around us. We actually need to believe in it to the point where we know that it's good. But sharing the good news, the healing news of God's word, that God is no longer counting the sins of the world against you, but he's come to reconcile you to himself. That is good news for those that don't know him. And finally, we need to put this word into the hands of our children. You know, the great thing about this word, as powerful as it is, it's powerful and useful in the hands of the smallest child. If you think Satan will leave your children alone, or your grandchildren alone, you're kidding yourself. You are absolutely kidding yourself. So we must put this word into their hands. Not only put it into their hands, we, as their parents, as their grandparents, as their church, we need to actually do what this word says, and they need to see us in this word, because our children will do what they see us do. That's why my two girls drive like a bat out of hell, because I did for so many years. They will do what you do. If all you do is go to church and put this up on the shelf, then that's much, what, must what it be to be a Christian. And you leave them susceptible along with yourself to all of the schemes of Satan. Do not kid yourself. As parents, as grandparents, as the church responsible for the lives of children, we need to put this word in their hand because in their hands it's a powerful weapon. And the younger the better because this is a lifelong training regiment. And how great would it be to see your children's children's children come to know Jesus because you were faithful in the lives of your children. That's what God promises. That's what he calls us to do, is spend time in this word, because he's not just thinking just about him. He's thinking about you and your children and the world. And he's thinking that you are going to be assailed 
Satan certainly desires for you to fail. A little bit of knowledge is a good thing. If I can just get a little bit of this into you, then you can hurt yourself and everybody else. You just won't hurt me. Which turns me to this book that we talked about last week and probably will refer to every week. It's this book called The Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. It was written in the 1600s. But it is a great book. It's $2.99 on Kindle. If you guys have a little, like, three bucks to spend, this would be a great devotional. But in this one device, he talks us about in this area, because here's the thing I want to warn you about, is that actually training in God's Word, actually doing this, it's hard. (laughs) It's work. You know, you don't just fall out of bed and it just falls into your brain. No, it's actually work. It actually causes you to take time and carve out time in your life to actually train and to actually use it. And, and Satan knows that. All right, he knows it's hard work, and that's exactly what Thomas Brooks identifies in this one device. He said, here's what Satan does. He said, it's so hard and such a difficult thing, you were better 10,000 times to neglect it than to meddle with it. That's what Satan says. Man, this is hard. This is hard stuff. You, 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 just, you don't want to go there. I mean, Deuteronomy, seriously, Deuteronomy? It's in the Old Testament. It's old for a reason. It doesn't apply. I mean, who wants to read Deuteronomy? I mean, you'd be much better off, you know, binge-watching like Game of Thrones or The Crown or The Bachelor, right, than to spend any time in this. You'd be so much better off. And, and you're not a reader. I mean, who are you kidding? You, you've never read anything. You can't read this. And, and we fall for it hook, line, and sinker. But here's what he says that we need to remind ourselves of, which I think is a beautiful reminder. He he says that the Lord Jesus will make his services easy to you by the sweet discovery of himself to your souls whilst you are in his service. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, yeah, it's work. But you know what? When you meet Jesus, all that work, (laughs) it'll be easy. Remember Jacob? Genesis 29, right, Jacob, and he goes to this well, and he sees this young woman named Rachel, and he's like head over heels with Rachel. And he goes to her father, and he says, hey, I'll work for you for seven years if I can marry your daughter. Right, so for seven years, he gets to be around Rachel, and then he gets to marry her at the end. And it's like, I'll do that, right, because he's met Rachel. I ended up being 14, but still, it was worth it. Right? That's what he's saying. He goes, when you meet Jesus, when you, when you actually encounter the true Jesus in God's word, not the pop culture Jesus, not the Jesus of the movies, not the Jesus of, of your thoughts, but the true Jesus in God's word, you'll encounter this beautiful, loving, good, gracious, glorious being. And when you encounter him, he will make this work seem light and pleasurable. And those of you that know that, those of you that spend time in this Word and have spent years training, have discovered that truth. The more you, you, you study it and put it into practice, the, the lighter it becomes. And when those days come, because they will come, those days come that you weren't prepared for or that you didn't see coming, you will be prepared for. Those things that happen in everyone's lives, losing a loved one, a a diagnosis that upend most people. If you're in training and you're in a group and you have people around you reminding you of these things and that Holy Spirit is active and working in your life, they will not upend you. 
you will prevail. You will stand, not alone, but together with all of God's saints against that work of Satan. Which is why the best time to begin training with this sword and this word is today. Because Satan doesn't take the weekends off. It's not next week. It's not next year when I have the time. It's not next year when the kids are out of the house and everything's quiet and everything settles down in the house and then we'll join the small... You'll never, you'll never. Now is the time we need to begin training. Because Satan doesn't take a day off. And because our kids are watching. And by this word, we'll understand for the next five weeks exactly how powerful the other pieces of armor are. So I want to encourage you, pick up this word today. Pick up this word every day. And when you skip a day, get it the next day. And see if his promise isn't true. All of you who are burdened and heavy and weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. My burden is light. Let's take up God's word. Let's use this sword as a weapon against Satan's, his schemes, and let's use it to bring life into the world around us. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we give you glory and praise and honor. For you are the sword master. It is your sword. May we never forget that. May we use it as you would have us use it. May we only wield it when you call us to. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word that sustains us, that, that molds us and shapes us, that reveals the truth of you, that brings life. Father, I confess to you this morning that I wield it too often like a weapon when I shouldn't. The words in my head and in my heart betray me. Your word reveals that. But at the same time, your word reveals that Jesus has come and I have a new master. And so, Father, this morning, as, as we go our way today, I pray that you would keep reminding us of the truth that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but we do not go into this struggle unarmed and we do not go alone. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our lives, in this world, and in this word. Thank you for your gift of your church. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.